digging ourselves out one shovel at a time. We're in the greater Toronto area and we are still covered head to toe. Joining me now, JB, Justin Bourne, Sam McKee, Derek Brindale. Have you guys thought out? You know, I uh, I did what everyone thinks you should do. I got the Volkswagen Jetta back on the streets today, boys. I'm in the building today. Special day because I'm on TV wow. later. So uh, I got to, got to check out the city. A lot of buried cars out there. A lot of buried cars. I, I guarantee my car is one of those. I park on the street. So I can just guarantee that mine is just a disaster zone right now. I sent a tweet last night that there's nothing that brings Canadians together like a snowstorm. <laughs> I, said, I shoveled the little sidewalk in front of my place. And I talked to my neighbor for, you know, way more in 30 minutes shoveling than I have in the last three years living at my place. So, you know, brings people together. My shoulder is barking today, though. Boy, it was some heavy snow out there. JB, uh, easy to navigate. Uh, you drove, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no no dangers of, of sliding into a bank or anything? Buddy, it's a mess. It's one-way streets. There's only one lane everywhere. You're backing up all the time for trucks. I know you have the... Uh, the Tesla and the Porsche and the Range Rover all in your heated garages, Kipper. But for the rest of us, it's a challenge out there a little bit. Sammy, to your point, uh, when I uh, when I used to stay at the Gillies place at Christmas uh, Christmas time, Clark, he had the snowblower in the neighborhood and he'd go to everyone's house and snowblow their driveway in exchange for a beer in the garage after. And he'd do the entire mm. neighborhood. You know, like eight houses. It was. was, He'd be out there for hours, come in like eight beers deep, like, what's up? Love the snowstorm. Love that move. (laughs) And for the record, the only uh, heated driveway I know uh, is is Connor McDavid's. Yeah, well, probably who else? Freege? Well, Freege probably has one. There's some some heated press conferences at Edmonton today, too. Holy hell. Leon Dreisaitl, is is that what happened with him and uh, longtime reporter Jim Matheson? They had an exchange that we're going to play uh, a, li- a little later on in the show, but was that over a heated driveway? Because <laughs> they <laughs> they are not friends. Yeah, the, the, we do not the frustration. Agree. <laughs> you know, Brandale's back. We're getting drops again. What's happening? This is great. Um, but so yeah, we'll, frustration. We'll, we'll play that a little later on in the show, but uh, a ton to get into, guys. Uh, of course. Uh, the latest updates with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Jake Muzzin all of a sudden unavailable. How does this come yeah. about? What, 45, 60 hours later from Saturday night, he is now diagnosed with a concussion. So we'll we'll get into that. We also got on the show Cam Neely, former NHLer and current president of the Boston Bruins and all of a sudden, Sammy's scared of the Boston Bruins. I'm not sure you you could have said that, JB, two, three weeks ago. But the thought of the Bruins right now in the Leafs in the first round doesn't make our Sammy feel very good. No. No. And it should. Makes you feel awful. Yeah. Makes you uh, feel awful. They, they got their ducks in a row a little bit. Tuca coming back. We'll see, uh, you know, if they make any changes, too. They got salary cap space to play with. They uh, projected to have $7.7 million at the deadline. So they're, they're going to get even better. Glenn Healy, also executive director and president of the NHL Alumni Association. Uh, we'll, we'll check on my pension and, and all the good things uh, through Glenn Healy. He'll be coming on a little later on in the hour. 
Max Lapierre, remember a former NHLer over 600 games? Everyone's pain in the ass on the ice. Mm-hmm. We like those guys, don't we? Oh, yeah. This is, uh, He's going to be joining right us. Our show's and, and we'll, we'll talk Kent Hughes, the 18th general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's got a terrific podcast as well. Uh, so we'll get into that. And then we'll round it off with uh, ESPN's John Bouchagras, hey, friend uh, of the show. If anyone's bingo card has Kipper or I trying to say the name of Maxim Lapierre's uh, podcast, they're probably not getting the bingo. Le Sammy, poche what bleu. is it called? <laughs> La Poche Bleu. La Poche Bleu. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, sir. You sound great, bud. Very very good. So, and, and we got some NHL news as well. Uh, 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 Frank Cervelli uh, from uh, yep. Daily Faceoff is saying that uh, after the All-Star break, no longer will players be tested that are asymptomatic. So that's that's uh, interesting news. Of course, the challenges will be the cross-border travel. That will still be re- required. But uh, overall, guys, is this... A light at the end of the tunnel for you guys? Well, you know, it's crazy. Is like, is anyone going to do a test ever again after that? Like, you guys know hockey players and their willingness to tell their trainers when they're not feeling good. What are the odds someone's going to come in and go, you know, I just feel like I've got a bit of a post-nasal drip, Doc. Why don't we run a, <laughs> run a test here on me today? I mean, it Suck is a light it up, the kid. Yeah. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I don't know how many people in the league have had COVID. Got to be half at this point. I'm probably light on that. Everyone's double vaccinated. I don't know about what the booster percentage is, but, you know, the the boys are pretty well protected from room to room, I think, at this point. We also have some news about uh, the league as early as tomorrow, I hear. Could, uh, again, nothing's written in stone. Uh, They're still telling me that uh, there could be some tweaks here and there, but... There's a sense now they got a real strong indication that as many as 103, 104 games postponed will be made up in the month of February, uh, all within wow. maybe under three weeks. What's his name? Hatzos Patros? What's the, <laughs> the schedule maker's name? This guy's uh, da- David Copperfield. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I was going to say I should call to... him to come on the show, but yeah. he's a little busy. You you have to be a magician to put that thing together. So we'll we'll get into that uh, a little later on as well. But as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs are concerned, guys, we spoke of it the other day. The the, the shot that Muzzin took uh, on the ice, and today we find out he's unavailable for the New York Rangers. We can't be that surprised. No, I mean Kipper, open up our group chat the moment it happened. You know, Muzzin is hurt. Muzzin needs to get to the bench. You know, you could, it was visible on our show yesterday, talking with Galley. You said, you know, looked like where was the con- concussion spotter on that one? All of a sudden, two days later, yeah, concussion. Uh, what happened here, Kipper? How do uh, we saw it from our televisions? It's it is a an ongoing thing here, guys, and it <laughs> is. It's it's a double-edged sword for, for the league. It really is. And it's not it's not a great position to be in where there's parts of the game that you, you love to sell and then there's other ones that need to protect the game, the health of the guys. But if, if we don't have anybody up in the stands 
that that can't at least identify and what's a concussion, what's not. But he he was rattled. We saw it as he got hit, as he came off the boards, as he went to go hunt the puck down in the corner, and then he threw the pizza up the middle. You could still see him shaking the cobwebs off. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I don't understand how someone can go, that guy suffered brain trauma, and we need to take a look at him. For him, from my understanding, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, he did not leave the game. He did not leave the bench. No, he didn't. Well, he... How does that happen? Well, do we lose, Sammy? Uh, you know, I, I, the, the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Like the, the, I understand that a lot of these guys get frustrated at the concussion spotters and they complain. Um, you know, they're not happy with them, but there needs to be some measure of authority for these guys to pull these people off the ice. I think you know who it happens with God, most. Thanks, man. Where I, I don't know that we see guys pulled from the game is with goalies. You see goalies get clipped all the time, and I go, "Is there a concussion spotter in the stands?" But they don't want to pull it and put in a goalie for a couple of plays while they talk to him. So. I don't know what authority these guys have, but it doesn't feel like it's exercised very often. I can't remember the last well, guy I saw pulled from the game. Well, what I was going to say, if you weren't going to pull, if you weren't going to, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say, if you weren't going to pull Muzzin from that game, who the hell are you going to pull from a game? Right. Because, like, what, like, it was the most obvious concussion situation. The, sh- the hit wasn't dirty. It was shoulder to shoulder. It wasn't a, it wasn't a headshot. He caught him shoulder to shoulder, bangs his head against the glass, and he doesn't know where he is. He makes a terrible play. He's skating around in no man's land there looking around. And like you said, in the group chat, we nailed it. Like, he's out for the game, and then he's back. Hey, if you're not going to pull him, you're not going to pull anybody. Yeah, agreed. It's, and I am guilty as much as anyone out there. And again, I've, I've lived it. I retired with a concussion. I'm, so many different sides and emotions for me personally yeah, as I, I watch about that. And ultimately the one that I keep going back to is the one that is embedded in me since the moment we started playing this game is that guys want to show that they're, they're tough and they're resilient. And uh, those, those famous words in our game, what a warrior, if you could play through it, it, it uh, raises your stock. It raises your stock with your teammates. It raises your stock with the fans, management, maybe your next contract. There's still so many things going against acknowledging it or, or even, say, say, pull yourself out of the lineup. And, you know, if there's not going to be that concussion spotter out there uh, that's going to do the dirty work, then guys like Muzzin are going to stay in the game. And I, I don't know. You tell me. I, I mean, did he did he make himself worse by staying in? Is he missing the Ranger game because know. he played the, the, the back half of the St. Louis game? Didn't help. Hey, Kipper, so this is the thing that I wonder about it is like, aren't we – the idea is to protect these people from themselves, to take it out of their hands because all of the factors you just mentioned are so real. Yeah. You know, the pressure to – go ahead. No, no, you're yeah, the, right. The, the you're, pressure to be there for your teammates right. to, to stand, stand in and say, hey, I'll play through whatever. We're supposed to say you don't get to play through whatever. And this is for your own good. We don't care if you're mad about it. This is, you know, so that you can't sue the league later and say we didn't care. We're trying to care. But you're right. There is opposing forces on how that should be handled. It just does seem like if there is a person whose job is to look for people who've been hit too hard in the head, tough to miss that one. 
concussion spotters. That's like, where the hell are they? Like, I, I gotta add, you know, now, I, I feel ignorant. Are they still spotting concussions? Are they there in these times? That, yeah, is that still a thing? Presumably they're there. Maybe they're not. Is it was it was it, was that Muzzin hit the one time the guy went and got a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> right? Did he go take a leak? Like, where is he? I don't know. Man. Do we need now? Know. Do we need now concussion spotters? to spot concussion <laughs> spotters who aren't spotting concussions. Uh, I think that's Is that us. what we need now? I think that we, that's what we've become. We have become those people. Yeah, that was a tough one. And so now the D pairs, Kipper, going into Saturday night against the New York Rangers are uh, Lilligren Sandine as pair two and Dermot Miega as pair three. Boy. That's one lost guy. They only lost one guy. And sorry, Hall's still out. So that's yeah. that's the pairs. So, so you've yeah. lost you've lost your number one shutdown pair. Gone. And also that's your theoretical number one shutdown pair who haven't been shutting down, you know, much. A whole whole bunch of opportunities. And in the last 24 hours as we had, had said earlier uh this week, everybody's trying to figure out prior to the news about Muzzin being concussed what what has been going on with him. And yeah. What do you do now? Has he not been 100% healthy? Is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? But this guy has not been engaged like he has in the past. And that has to be a huge concern uh, for Sheldon Keefe. Maybe not publicly, but Sammy, did we hear from him the other day on, on, uh, on Muzzin? Yeah, he was just saying that he, you know, he didn't know if he was himself and talking about how he didn't necessarily, he, he didn't go out of his way to praise him. Let's just say that. So I a concussion, as you know, Kipper, is a very, very fickle thing. And a guy that's looking to get a rhythm in a season and looking to get some consistency going, that's the last possible thing that you want is a concussion. I mean, like a knee, an elbow, a shoulder, or whatever, there's timelines on those. But concussions are an incredibly hard thing to overcome. So for a guy that Keith was looking for, for some consistency from, a concussion is the bottom thing on the list that you're going to want. And not to mention, okay. like... You know, the even bad Muzzin, the guy we've been calling, you know, or underwhelming Muzzin, has been better than whatever they can replace him with. Oh, yeah. You know, it's better than good Biega, I can tell you that. <laughs> so, you know, even with him being it underwhelming. It better be for 5.6 million. Yeah, he better be worth about 10 Biegas. But it's it's the case that this is going to hurt them, even if you have been finding his play underwhelming. It, this could be long-term for them, a month or two, or they may need to find a solution sooner. This may up the timeline for the need for a defenseman for them. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've talked about uh, 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 the uh, the Netflix uh, series at the beginning of the season. They need what to was give us another again? one, All or Nothing. All or Nothing. Yeah. And if if my memory serves correct, I think there was a one scene where Sheldon Keefe is looking at the depth board on the blue on the blue line specifically and he says say muzzing gets hurt or you know and it was almost as if i remember that moment as if like i don't know does he just automatically think like this guy's injury prone now well he's at the point where you have to plan for the possibility you know if that does happen i would sure mix things up if all of a sudden that salary cap space were available i mean they might have to go into ltir here and Make some space for the deadline. Add someone big. Well, 
Now, uh, the, the the last man in was in uh, today, and I think Tavares had a chance to get in, and I think publicly he said that uh, he wanted to go. Uh, yet we hear that uh, Jake Gensel from Pittsburgh will be in the Metro uh, as the last man in. Uh, Troy Terry, uh, Pacific Division uh, for Anaheim. Naz Kadri for Good. Uh, yeah. Colorado in uh, in the Central. And Stamkos out of the Atlantic. Yeah. Sammy, yeah, where, where's sense. your Leaf Nation to vote Tavares in? How does that not happen? Yeah, maybe I should have done a, sent a tweet or something campaigning for my boy Johnny to get into the All-Star game. But Stamkos deserves it. Stamkos has been better this year than, than Tavares, don't you think? Like, I think he's having he's having a bit of a renaissance here. He has been – he carried them throughout that stretch where they got had guys hurt. I mean, we watched – remember that game they played against Toronto here? He was the best player on the ice by far. What, do you have four points? He was unbelievable. So I, I think Stamkos deserves a nod big time over yeah. Tavares as much as that pains me. 18 goals. 46 points. Ooh. Yeah, that, th- uh, those are big numbers. Tavares sitting on 15 and 20, so 35 points to Stamkos, 46. Is that right? You have 36, 46. 46, yeah. So not, not particularly close statistically there. Uh, bigger goal total, you know, the, the, on the better team in, in Tampa. So Stamkos, the right call there, one way or the other. Cam Neely, Correct. former NHL and president of the Boston Bruins, is going to join us uh, real soon here. And, uh, we're hoping to maybe get into uh, the bush of the Boston Bruins here. And all of a sudden, what looked like a, a three-horse race in the Atlantic uh, may be a, a four-man push here. Mm. Yeah, Boston on a real solid run. Um, you know, just looking quick, eight and two in their last 10 games. Obviously, the, the addition of Rask is no big deal. But you look at, like, goal differential, which is usually telling you this time of year. They're up there with the best teams. You know, they're they're right there and, and have been all the way along. So just a matter of time before they, they started a, a nice run of winning here. And, man, Marchand and Pasternak can't not score right now. Those guys are just pouring pucks in the net. It's out so, of this world. I think if you look at the possible Leafs-Bruins matchup, at this point in the first round, it seems pretty unlikely, no? Because you look, it would have to, the Leafs would have to get super hot past one of Tampa or the Cats and still with Boston. to I, I think there, there's a world here in which the one of the Leafs or the Bruins are the wild card team, mm-hmm. and one of the Leafs or the Bruins are playing Tampa in the first, Tampa or uh, Florida in the first round, no? Like, it, the, the first round matchup seems pretty pretty unlikely. It does. It does. There's no doubt about that. You know, Florida and Tampa, you know, unlikely to come back to the pack in any significant way. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean it's not there for you in round two, Sammy. But then, of course, yeah. the Leafs would have to win a round, so you'd probably be celebrating yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just looking at it here. I'm looking at the uh, the Bruins schedule. Oh, one sec here. Looking at the Bruins schedule going back, um, they just, you know, they pumped the Canadians 5-1, the Capitals 7-3, beat the Flyers 3-2, Tampa 5-2. Like, they're beating the best teams in the NHL. The Wild uh, were the last team to beat them, a 3-2 win uh, going back to the start of January. Yeah, so, listen, they're turned into the Bruins, but I, I don't think I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if the Toronto Maple Leafs ended up in the wild card spot. I really don't. No. Go play the other division, possibly play the Rangers, play Carolina, play someone like that as opposed to ending up playing against Tampa or, or Florida. But you, you look at what – you look at the, the standings here, and there's a pretty clear cutoff from where – 
like after Boston, it goes down to Detroit at 41 points, and then it goes to Columbus at 35. Oh, man, so, no, the, the playoffs in the East are set. The A yeah, teams are already selected. Yeah. Which sounds so, wild. I don't know, guys. I, you're talking about a team that looked real good for three quarters of the, the season and then all of a sudden finds themselves as a wild card team. I, I don't know why. The psyche on that, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that would give them a good feeling going into the first round. You're talking about Toronto. You wouldn't see that as a yeah Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I thought you might have been Boston. Yeah. No. That's no t- Toronto. Yeah. Maybe not good for where the head's supposed to be at. This this regular season is supposed to be the year that they you know potentially contend for the division and get to play someone who isn't a, you know a world class team. But looking at the winning percentages of Florida and Tampa. Well, he's going to sort the, for the whole league there, but you know, got to be, yeah, Florida's first in the league, Tampa's fourth in the league, the Leafs are fifth. So just a tough division. I don't, you know, I think you'd have to have some context. Yeah, we're a wild card team, but boy, we, you know, we were up against some, some elite teams in this division. Well, the thought, uh, the other question is, is how busy is the, their Fe- February going to look here? Uh, I had sent out a tweet earlier that it does look like uh, the National Hockey League will get uh, possibly as many as uh, 96, 97 of the 103 games uh, that have been postponed. Nothing's All the written Leafs? in stone. Sorry? Would the Leafs then pick up no, these games? The, no. Yeah, oh, this would include uh, the games that uh, the Leafs have lost over this uh, pandemic. So we're talking about uh, the league in general getting back close to 95% of the the games that have been postponed. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder what that would mean. You know, would they play in front of no fans then, or would there be some change in that? You know, knowing the Leafs have lost that those big gates. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's entirely a, a different beast when it, it comes is. to the National Hockey League. That has to do with uh, provincial, uh, federal, and and all of that. But you know, does the fact that after the All Star break, JB, where the players will not be tested. Uh, asymptomatic will that have an effect on hey if if the players don't have to be tested then the fans can go back they don't have to be tested all they have to do is show mm. their their vaccination status and and we're good to go 18 18,000 people back in the building so yeah. we'll pick up on that conversation as we get to, uh through uh our, our first guest and uh a, a big thrill hall of famer of course uh he's the president of the Boston Bruins uh we welcome Cam Neely and Cam, whatever happens from here on end, I'm sorry, but Seabass will always come into mind first. <laughs> I don't blame. I don't. I don't blame. Right, who's that a at dead all. man and hit me with the salt shaker? <laughs> oh my god! Did you one take that line? One take. Um, that might have been one take. <laughs> but, but they might have got it on the first take, but they had me do it multiple times. How about that? <laughs> any any residual checks coming in still off of that thing? Yeah, they are actually, and and um, the interesting thing is sometimes the postage is is worth more than the check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I mean, like the paper it's printed on, the envelope and the postage is ten times what the check is worth. <laughs> I, I, I can feel that because I, with the Rangers, we did a top ten list, and uh, I think a year later I got a ninety-four cent check from David Letterman's company called <laughs> Wide World Pants. So uh, it's yeah. it's not about it's not about the money; it's about uh, 
earning a check outside of the game of hockey. That was the biggest. Absolutely. So, frame that. I hope you framed that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> outside of that, uh, a much better feeling around your organization. Uh, we're starting to see the push that I think you probably thought that you'd get right off the bat. It, it took a while, Cam, but, you know, the team's going now. Well, it is, and we've, we've got some kind of a normal schedule recently. Um, you know, even you know, even without COVID, uh, our our season start was a little choppy. We we played the uh, you know we played on the second, I think, of October. Then we played the fifth, then the eighth. Um, and then we had uh, another stretch of games off where <clears throat> I just don't think the guys, you know, this is the most new faces we've had in a, in an off season coming into the next year. So, you know, no excuses, but I think we just, we're having a tough time getting, you know, getting acclimated to each other. We weren't really getting on any kind of a flow. And then, uh, and then COVID kind of hit us and hit everybody. And we had the shutdown. I think that was a really good time for everybody to regroup and, and get, kind of a mini training camp really uh and we were relatively healthy at the time so it was a good opportunity for the coaching staff to kind of put lines together that they thought would would work uh and then obviously work on specialty teams um and then like you said the last eight or nine games here it's been it's been uh, enjoyable to watch and see the guys you know compete and, and play the way they have yeah, you guys are really uh, humming along now. Things are going well, um, and you've obviously added uh, Tuka Rask, which is uh, a huge deal for you guys. And you know, we know what a rock and gold, you know, exceptional goaltender he can be. How was the conversation then? How, how did it go with Jeremy Swayman, uh, who had been good for you guys too? I think it was a nine eighteen or something in sixteen games. When you say, "Look, we got the chance to get Tuka," I mean, what do you tell a guy like that who is you know twenty three and, and shown that he can play pretty well at this level? Well, you know, there was no surprises with with either goaltender. To be honest with you, I mean, yeah, you know, we made a decision. Um, you know, Tuca said he, you know, he wanted to have surgery. He wasn't ready to commit to playing this season. And he wanted to see how surgery went, and he also wanted to see how rehab went. And then, you know, did was he going to put the time and effort in to get back to being an NHL goaltender? So that all remained to be seen, and and you know we we looked at our club with Swayman and and Vladar at the time, and said, okay, if, if Tuca does come back, it's not going to be till January. Um, it would be a shame if we're not in the playoff picture by that time, because we all know how challenging it is to kind of climb into the picture, you know, as months tick off. So, you know, we said, you know, if Tuca is going to come back and, and, and commit and uh, get himself ready to play as an organization, as a team, we felt we needed to be in the playoffs. So, um, you know, we ended up moving Vladar because, you know, he was ready to play um, and, and sign in all because we felt he would give us a good chance, uh, you know, to be a number one. And, and also Swayman, you know, he had a short sample size and we all know, you know, what could happen with young goaltenders in this league. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, uh, you know, we the communication with all, all the goalies was was up front from the get go, and you know, obviously, when a player feels they can play in the National Hockey League and and he gets sent down, it's not a it's not an easy conversation, nor should it be. And and we were happy with how Swayman kind of reacted to the news, uh, even though he saw it coming. Um, but you know, we're in the business of winning, and 
you know, whatever goaltender is going to give us the best chance to win, we'll play that goaltender regardless of, of his age or who he is. When you consider Rask, uh, his his situation for the for the rest of the season, there's Patrice Bergeron who's undecided about his future. There's a real perception here, Cam, that uh, uh, the, the window is closing here. So, you know, the good news is, is you know, you still got uh, three of your top forwards making half of what, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs are. And there seems to be some wiggle room to to add to the roster, but with that thing, with with those decisions on key guys uh, hanging over you, how much how much pressure is there on the management team to to go and make a few necessary changes to to maybe bring home a Stanley Cup this season? Well, they're always there, at Kipper. I mean, um, yeah, we've been in a position since maybe 2011. Obviously, we won then. We we went to finals in 13, went to finals again in 19. We were leading the league in 20 when the world fell apart and ended up in the bubble. And, uh, you know, we all know how that ended up for, for most teams. Um, so we've, we've tried and, and, you know, we've committed to every year uh, since really 11 that, you know, we're going to try and compete for a Stanley cup. And, uh, you know, it's easier said than done. I mean, now there's so many good teams, uh, you know, especially in the East this year, especially in our division right now, um, where you know it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge to get out of our division. But we're you know we're prepared for that, um, and we'll see how things play out in the next few months up until the deadline here. Cam, when when it comes to Patrice, he's certainly uh, earned the right to call any shot he wants. Uh, but has it been completely left alone? Is it something that you might want to revisit with him and just check in on him, see how much he's enjoying the season, if he'd like to add, right. say, three more years? <laughs> <laughs> well, he said right from the get-go, he goes, listen, guys, I know this is not easy for your planning purposes, but I really just want to take the season see how it goes, see how I feel at the end of the year, uh, and then make a decision from there. So, you know, we're, we're allowing him his space. He, he's certainly earned it and deserves it. You know, Tuca, Tuca jokingly recently said to, you know, apparently to Patrice, he goes, you should do what I do and come back halfway through the year next year. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, you know, Patrice has played a lot of hockey, um, you know, he's had a couple serious injuries. So I think he, you know, I, I think he really wants to feel that the passion is still there because as you guys know, it's so much hard work in the off season to get yourself ready to prepare for the following year. And, you know, as, as years tick off, it gets a little harder to do that. Um, but so far it looks like Patrice is having a, a good time playing. He's enjoying himself. Um, he loves his, uh, his teammates. And I think he's been a fantastic captain for us. Cam, how much do you, time do you spend on what's going on with personnel? You know, like knowing that that is a GM thing first and foremost. You know, I'll be honest. Specifically, I'm thinking of Jake DeBrusque. You know, does a situation like that and what happened there does that concern you? Do you think about that, or is that sort of left to the GM to take care of, um, and you deal with sort of higher end things? Well, no, I, I, I uh, you know, I certainly have a pulse of what's going on in the locker room. Right. Um, you know, primarily, you know, Don certainly deals with the agents. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with the agents. Um, you know, and this, uh, but I did talk to Jake when, when, um, as Don did, when his request came out. Um, 
you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, you never really want a player to say they, you know, they feel like a change is needed. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, you know, for me, it's about, okay, is there something internally that we need to be doing differently or, uh, you know, is this just really a, a player that feels a, a fresh start somewhere else is going to be beneficial to him? So, uh, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I do want to kind of make sure I have a pulse of what's going on in the locker room for sure. Hey, Cam, I can only imagine now uh, between you guys, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at the, the matchups and you're saying we're going to bust our ass to possibly all be a top 10 team in the league and someone's going home unhappy in the first round. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, I mean, are, are you okay with it? Is, it? is that just the way it is? Is there anything that we can kind of tweak to maybe uh, build up a first, second, a, a conference final to match up more uh, based on on what you achieved during the regular season? Or is this just, it is what it is? Well, I, I, you know, I think there's always room for debate and, and, and conversations about what can be done differently. Um, you know, I, I certainly understood the divisional matchups because back when we were playing, you know, those those games got pretty testy, and then it, it did have some carryover for the next regular season. I don't see it quite as much, uh, you know, that as, as it used to be as far as, you know, if we played Hartford, for example, and which we did a number of times and had a seven-game series, you know, the next time we played them in the regular season, it felt more like a playoff game than a regular season game. And, and you know, there was, a, there was an element of, um, you know, that, that made sense and it worked, but uh, you look at the last few years, the way the format is now, maybe it's worth having a conversation to go in one versus eight and, and so on. Yeah, you know, one of the big reasons you guys are having all this success is, you know, your Brad Marchands and that, that line in general, obviously Pasternak, those guys shooting the puck in the net just about every time they turn around. Marchand has nine goals in his last six games you know, you hear the word unicorn for a lot of players. Tom Wilson's a unicorn, and this guy's a unicorn. But Marchand seems seems to be able to, you know, he has that element that, that no one else has where he can, when he gets engaged, involved, he, it makes him a better offensive player. You know, do you, do you see that, that it actually makes a difference on his engagement when he's, when he's mad at someone or feisty, or is he just good all the time and they happen to be going in for him right now? Well, it might be a combination of both. I mean, when, when Brad struggles in his game, it's at times he's trying to do too much. Um, I beat you once, let me beat you again. Um, mm-hmm. Where when he's really on his game, he's 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 quicker in his decision-making as far as can I beat this guy or do I need to chip and chase? Do I need to curl up and look for a late guy? Or do I need to take the puck to the net? And, and you know, when, when he's... Uh, you know, when he's when he's doing all that, he's more engaged. He's having more fun. He's he's uh, you know creating more chances for not only himself but his line mates. But you know, when he does get engaged in in, in what you're talking about, you do see his game elevate, no question. A, a player that could almost play in any era. It, for me, Cam, it's just the the compete level. Is there anyone besides you he reminds you of? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I think you look across decades of players, and and to your point, the compete really stands out. And it's not, it's not just in games. You watch this guy in practice. I mean, if you're not ready to compete, you'll get you'll get eaten up in practice. And he, 
he demands you to work and practice as hard as he does. That's what's made him a better player. That's why he is the player he is because of how hard he does compete. And, you know, you, you could pick a number of players over the years that have, has that compete level. Um, and that level of talent, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to find those guys, but they're usually, they're, they're usually uh, elite players, right? If they have the combination of skill and compete, yeah, for sure. Do, do you care if your team has that as part of its identity, Cam, like that feistiness? Uh, is it important for them to be physical, or do you just want to win whatever style it may be? Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I think a level of physicality never is a bad thing in our sport. Um, you know, as long as it's smart and you're not taking stupid penalties and, and your team's having to kill off all the time. But I think for the most part, <clears throat> You know, you'd like to be a team that could play whatever style, you know, someone wants to bring. And, uh, you know, it's not easy to do. It depends on the makeup of your, your team. But the biggest thing for me is is the pushback. You, you want your players to push back and, and, and not get kind of run over without any pushback. And, you know, I think if, if and when that does happen, it's addressed in the locker room. Cam, if, if the road to a, a Stanley Cup goes through the likes of a Toronto, Tampa Bay, or, or Florida, uh, without giving away uh, uh, trade secrets here, what is, what are the, where do you got to shore up a little bit to have a, a legitimate run here? Well, I mean, you know, you can never, you can never be deep enough on the back end. Um, you know, we just, it's so, as you know, to go seven games, potentially four straight rounds, you generally know you're going to lose someone and, and, uh, you know, on the back end, it's, it's vitally important to, to, uh, you know, have enough horses back there that can play NHL playoff hockey. And, you know, we've, we've seen some of our depth recently with uh, players out with injuries and COVID on the back end. So, you know, we've got a guy right now back in Ireland that's kind of stepped in and played well for us. Even Lewington had to come in for a game. Ashan's come in for a game where these guys, you know, are a little, down on the depth chart, but, but when they stepped in the lineup, they've, they played well for us. So I guess that's, you know, if I'm looking at one area, that would probably be an area. Hey, before I let you go, one more thrown at you. Do you ever, do you ever watch Dwayne, the rock Johnson and go, that, that could have been me. I just, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> you, I, I do not. You're a better I mean, actor than him. Anytime I've been in something, I was asked to be in it. Anytime I tried to get in something, I never got it. So I, I realized quick enough that, you know, I, I don't have the chops. It was fun while it lasted. Seabass <laughs> will always be our number one <laughs> Academy Award winner, pal. Thank you so much, there Cam. Cam right, Neely, pleasure. president of the Boston Bruins. Fun guy to have on. And uh, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. I got a chance to compete against this guy. That's too bad. The real deal. Yeah. Every which way. And, you know, he's he's a hockey player. You know, when you, when you think of defining someone well-rounded, tough, talented, I was a hockey player right there. How about, like, you know, if like, I, I know the end-of-the-year meetings probably, for the most part, wouldn't include your president, but if it ever did, if this guy ever had a one-on-one meeting with you, like, just... Just the lasers alone yeah. would make you nervous, well, right? A smart guy, too. You know, that team's been competitive for a long time. It's no just coincidence he's where, been part of it. it. Where is his bar?
right? How do how do I come close to that guy's bar? His first four years in Boston, 36 goals, 42 goals, 37 goals, 55 goals, along with 143 penalty minutes, 175 penalty minutes, 190 penalty minutes, 117 penalty minutes. Just a brute. Busy, man, eh? Busy. Just on the ice at all times. See, for me, my, my, my window, my arrow, like Cam Neely, Rick Tockett, uh, Wendell Clark, you played in Scott a terrifying Stevens. Era. Oh my God! This guy, like all stars, and can still kick the shit out of him. You know, <laughs> just oh, all good. All right, from from a guy that could drop him with anybody, Cam Neely. Let's go to uh, Glenn Healy, who actually hit under a car once to avoid a fight. <laughs> Is that true? We'll find out after the break. Glenn Healy, executive director, president of the NHL Alumni Association. Up next after the break, real Kipper and Bourne.